Hello, good morning, and welcome to CIO Leadership Live. I'm Mary Fran Johnson, your host for the show. Twice a month, we produce this video show and podcast with the generous support of my editorial friends and colleagues at CIO.com and the CIO Executive Council. We're streaming live to you right now on LinkedIn and on uh, YouTube on our CIO channel there. And we welcome all of our alert viewers and uh, participants today to join in this conversation and send us questions of your own for my guest. Our editors are going to be watching the chat on both LinkedIn and YouTube, and we'll be happy to pass those questions along. And the questions would be aimed at, my guest today is CIO Katrina Augusti of Carhartt Incorporated. In April of 2022, Katrina was promoted to CIO after nearly 20 years with the company's technology operation. Now as the leader of all things technological, she is tasked with creating an environment where technology and a digital mindset can continue to play a more integral role in the future of company of the company culture and the brand recognition in the market of Carhartt. She reports directly to the president and the COO. Most of you may know who Carhartt, what Carhartt is. Founded in 1889 in Detroit, Carhartt is a retail brand that was has been long known for its durable, long-lasting work clothes. And it was originally designed for manual laborers, such as railroad and construction workers and farmers. Today, this is a $2 billion retailer employing 5,400 people, and it remains a family-owned private company that is run by the descendants of the founder, Hamilton Carhartt. Expanding beyond its blue-collar workwear roots, Carhartt Apparel has now become fashionable streetwear for younger generations thanks to its Works in Progress line, which I'll be talking about with their CIO. Now, before stepping into her current role, Katrina held several leadership roles in the IT department and organization at Carhartt. Most recently, she was the vice president of Solutions Delivery, where she was leading the company's IT application application roadmap, and all of technology support for Carhartt Mexico. Katrina, it's great to have you here. Thanks for joining me. Thank you so much for the opportunity, Mary Fran. Well, I'd love to start with the big picture impact of these last two years. You are almost a year and a half into your very first CIO role, but you are a company veteran. You have been with the brand for 20 years, so you know it inside and out at this point. So retail analysts have really been raving about uh, Carhartt Apparel having its moment, like the authenticity of the brand, the surging popularity of it, trending in the UK especially, as well as in the US. So tell us about the customers, about the, the, you know, the DNA of the brand and how what you're doing in technology is playing into that moving into the future. Absolutely. So uh, thanks for the question. We we definitely see uh, a lot of brand heat at Carhartt. Mm-hmm. Um, but what 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 we do is stay true to who we are. Right. We mm-hmm. we are rooted in workwear. Uh, as you mentioned, that is our brand purpose is mm-hmm. to deliver those rugged um, and durable products to our end consumers. So, you know, through the years, uh, we've had a lot of moments in time where we, from a technology perspective, have been able to meet the consumers where there are, provide um, access to the brand, engagement with the brand, 
uh, and those types of things. But um, we're, we're very fortunate to have a brand that stands on its own and it has such a legacy where people just feel a, an in- inherent loyalty uh, and dedication to the brand. So it's been um, a great opportunity to, to be part of the brand and its double digit growth over the last several years. Yeah, well, double digit growth is really something to, if not outright outright brag about today it's certainly worth <laughs> noting um the uh talk about when we uh were getting ready for this interview today you were talking about the segmentation of the brand and you mentioned the next yeah. generation doers people out there so uh, this is this is part of the growth area for carhartt i mean there's always going to be those tried and true customers tell us about that segment of of the brand <laughs> Yeah, so we really tailor um, our what who we speak to to three primary co- consumer segments. Mm-hmm. As you mentioned, first is the tried and true, which is our, our brand loyalists, our blue collar workers, uh, and and the emerging um, area is what we call our next gen doers. Mm-hmm. So these are folks, especially through the pandemic, who started to get into either trades or do it yourself type mm-hmm. of home projects and a lot of people started to kind of get back to those types of um, projects, but also back to the land, right? People mm-hmm. started raising chickens and uh, getting into a lot of the different components of really our core consumer um, purpose. So yeah. it was great to see that next generation start to pick up the brand uh, and and see the value in, in its function. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then lastly, we have our active outdoor enthusiasts, which uh, again are you know those folks that are starting to, you know, as travel was shut down, they started to visit national parks and started mm-hmm. to get more in touch with nature and hiking and those types of things. So, um, you know, it was a great moment for us to show the functionality of the brand and, and to introduce it to other cus- consumer segments that may or may not have been aware of, of the Carhartt brand. Yeah. Well, and I know we're, we're going to probably talk about this more as we get into your digital strategy, but one of the things you had mentioned was building out a Friends of Carhartt brand yes. in, uh, in, is that a market? marketing campaign? Is that something that IT gets involved in? Absolutely. So we definitely try to use our social channels and connect with individuals that can help amplify our brand. So that's exactly right. We partner with various friends of Carhartt that are um, living through their purpose of mm-hmm. you know, do-it-yourself work or farming or egg. And we, we go to them and ask them to, you know, speak on behalf of the brand mm-hmm. related to their function and how they use our product um, so that they, you know, we're creating additional audiences and additional ways to connect with the end consumer. Because at the end of the day, that's that's what we're, we're here for. Yes. Okay, good. Well, and last question I have about consumers. I noticed behind you on the wall, for those who are watching, it looks <laughs> like those are testimonials written by people. Is this one of your demonstration areas at Carhartt. Tell us what that is. Yeah, so this is called the story room. And mm-hmm. we we get a lot of um, fan mail, if you will, to our <laughs> yeah. executive team about how much they love the Carhartt brand, how it's been pass- t- passed down through generations, how it's potentially saved their life or saved their limbs because they've you know, had a, a machinery accident mm-hmm. or something where the where the the garment actually held up in that scenario. Uh, We've had people get married, whole wedding parties decked out in in the Carhartt brand. So uh-huh. it's just so uh, inspiring as you can inspiring as yeah. you can imagine to 
see folks and how just emotionally connected they are to our product. Yes. It, it's so phenomenal. So yeah, we like to celebrate and share when we hear uh, testimonials mm-hmm. and feedback from our consumers uh, because that's what energizes us. Yes. Well, and that's, I think at one point I'd asked you 20 years with the same company. This is one of the things you have enjoyed about it so much is just, I don't know, the good feeling of the brand. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. It's def- as you mentioned, it's fifth generation family owned. Mm-hmm. Uh, you would feel that through that culture and you mm-hmm. and you feel that through the product and the authenticity of how we continue to maintain that brand DNA as we evolve our product and innovate our product to meet today's needs. Yes. Well, and one of the things that I especially enjoy as I talked with CIOs these days is uh, sometimes it's so easy we could spend half of our time talking about their brands because CIOs are at such a strategic level with all of that now and that's it's just particularly fun you know you don't run into you don't run into any heads of IT that are not so deep into the brand strategy that they couldn't just hold forth on it quite a bit. Yeah, absolutely. And when we look at our strategies, we see, you know, it's probably 80% driven through digital initiatives that are, Great. you know, continuing to enable and you know, activate our strategies. So we, I am have the privilege mm-hmm. of, uh, to your point, having a seat at the table to uh, influence that strategy and at the end of the day, enable it through the delivery of our technology solutions. Okay. Next question. What were your marching orders when you came into this role? You were uh, part of the succession plan of uh, the former uh, CIO and a longtime mentor of yours, John Hill, who actually yes. was on this show back in June of 2018. So I know that he's moved on to another company now where he's a chief, chief digital officer. But coming into it, were you were obviously not just expected to keep doing what John was doing. So what were the marching orders? What did the board and your C-suite expect from you? Yeah, great question. So we had uh, just gotten through a significant amount of foundational transformation projects. So Mm -hmm. we had been through moving um, about 95% of our compute from on-premise to the cloud. Mm -hmm. We shifted um, to a new commerce platform. We upgraded our ERP backend. So there were a lot of projects that, um, you know, are foundational, but are not as consumer or customer facing when it relates to how easy it is to do business with Carhartt. So really my first marching orders were 100% aligned with our strategy, which is what digital projects can we do to amplify the brand? So that's around driving awareness, uh, driving engagement. Mm -hmm. And of course, uh, as I mentioned, and we can talk about a little bit more, getting our women's um, strategy off the ground and more operationalized at scale then we had just anything around the experience so as i mentioned those previous projects they're very back-end focused and and a lot of the end users whether they be internal or external don't see the value of those types of projects as they would if we're making their lives easier automating or um, providing you know less friction less steps so Mm -hmm. really getting focused on the experience elements of our technology solutions and then finally uh, there's just a foundational element right so do we have the talent strategy uh, for our associates how are our associates at scale managing through digital change. So Mm -hmm. you had mentioned at the beginning, 
how do we shift to a digital mindset so that we are getting the most value out of our solutions? Uh, and then of course, starting to support some of these emerging areas around sustainability and circularity in fashion, mm-hmm. um, in the fashion industry and uh, some of the community and DEI efforts. So yeah. um, again, hand in hand from a marching orders perspective with um, our strategies, mm-hmm. but then of course, how can we get better internally as an IT operation and continue to mature and level up as as we scale okay so um those those were the focus areas and it's not just one is it it's like multiple but of course (laughs) you would expect that right as a cio um give it tell us an example tell us a story around something that uh you've been able to accomplish your team has accomplished in the last year that speaks to that mission of uh, greater digital enablement that improves the customer experience because that outfacing external look at customers and how they're how they're working with the company, what they're perceiving about the brand, all of that, of course, has technology underlying it. So tell us about something in the last year that particularly showcases that. Yeah. So we uh, set out as we continued to mature just our operating model at the enterprise level to really mature our sales inventory and operational planning processes, mm-hmm. but also our sales operation and execution processes. And one of the area, one of the the primary uh, focuses on that was how can we get the data that we need in an actionable format to drive root cause analysis and solve for things that are inhibiting us. To, to deliver the best service levels and, and deliver on our promise to our consumers. Mm-hmm. So we set out on driving really um, the definition, identification of those metrics, and of course, serving those up to the business in a way that they could digest that because as you can imagine, you know, there's various levels of detail uh, that that go into that so mm-hmm. that they can start actioning. And as a result of that, we were able to improve our, what we call our on time and in full rates. We were able to improve our overall customer uh, and consumer service levels. So how quickly we can um, fulfill orders, mm-hmm. uh, those types of things. So it's really helped us dial in to, um, you know, instead of having anecdotal type of uh, (laughs) reasons why we thought things weren't going well. The data allowed us to tell the story and to really get after some of those areas of improvement. Okay, great. Well, and I know that when we talked um, earlier, you, of course, you report to the COO, but you're also very tightly aligned with the CFO, the chief financial officer, um, and privately held, financially in great shape. So I'm thinking on my end, that must be wonderful. You come into the role and you have an open check book to do whatever you need how does how how does that work when you've got i think a lot of times especially in public companies the cios often think that when they're family owned and privately held the sky's the limit and whatever you need and it's not necessarily yes. that way so how how do how does the budget things get how how do you manage all of that and is it, it have you ever had an open checkbook <laughs> i love that yeah, idea I would, but yeah. <laughs> i wouldn't say you know we've had an open checkbook but yeah. what i will say is Carhartt understands the value proposition of technology and that it is table stakes in today's environment. Mm-hmm. So uh, we have never, even in, in times of, you know, macroeconomic headwinds, 
stopped investing in technology, right? So there might be conversations of priority or sequencing. And a lot of times that's more driven, not, not necessarily financially, but just organizational readiness, organizational resourcing, mm-hmm. change management. You know, everybody's clamoring to get a lot of these digital transformation initiatives off the ground, but Mm -hmm. there's a change fatigue aspect to that. So how much can the how much can the organization actually, uh, you know, successfully implement? So I've been very we've been very lucky as an IT organization and Carhartt, you know, at large in that they've always prioritized technology investments. And I feel like we've had a good pace uh, to go alongside our growth path. Um, in, mm-hmm. in those investments. Well, and I, cause I noticed when, um, that you've had, uh, one of those big foundational elements was moving, um, a great big ERP system online. And I was thinking when you talk about change fatigue, every CIO yeah. I've ever interviewed about that says, I wish we had spent a few more months getting everybody ready for it. You know, that where yeah. are you in that process? Is that project essentially, or that, that, that effort, that initiative, is it up and running now or are, is there still a lot to do? <sighs> So the all of those foundational elements are mm-hmm. up and running. Um, you know, we still have from a, a move to the cloud, we're probably about 5% still on prem of, of compute. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's just due to timing to move some of those applications off. Our ERP is now global on a standard template across all of our business units, which mm, is congratulations. huge. Congratulations. Um, yep. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and uh, we do have our commerce, uh, the new commerce platform running for our U.S., um, website and we're in the middle of migrating for our European and our um, what we call Carhartt Company Gear, but it's basically direct to business for small right. um, companies. Mm-hmm. So we still have two more um, migrations on sites, but uh, the the what the big the behemoth in the room, uh, which was the SAP implementation for ERP, is behind us. Mm-hmm. That's good. Congrats! And, and that was Congratulations. Thank you. Yeah. That was definitely the source of the most fatigue. <laughs> yes, yes. And and you can proudly say, and everybody's still standing, you know, because yes. that, that is often the, the biggest deal uh, that CIOs will have to deal with. And you've gotten that under your belt very early in your CIO career. So that's even better, yes. right? Absolutely. Um, when uh, I always ask this with a certain amount of trepidation, because the digital transformation has become such a big buzzword, it doesn't mean anything freestanding the way like words like innovation and you know like strategy it could be anything so when you think about what Carhartt's digital business models are about what has changed there and and what is changing going forward as I'm sure that if if we were to ask what does being a digital business mean to everybody on your C-suite for instance they would probably have different takes on it so give us your take as the CIO on what the digital business is for Carhartt and how it's moving forward we had you'd mentioned that you're you're very focused on a future state right now so you've got a direct you're heading. Talk about that. Yeah, so definitely uh, we are, are in varying levels of maturity across mm-hmm. the different functions in the business. I would say uh, as we look at digitizing all of the functions within our business, the most mature area is anything that is consumer facing. So that would be our websites. They have the most okay. maturity as far as capabilities, competencies, um, workforce plans, those types of things. There are other areas in the business that, uh, you know, from a prioritization perspective, we just haven't built that muscle mm-hmm. and that kind of 
product line ownership where you would have necessarily a product owner in the business that had a counterpart in IT mm-hmm. and you're looking at it as an end-to-end platform versus looking at you know implementing uh, individual applications. So um, we're on that journey. We're hoping to get a lot more focus on those partnerships versus, and I'm sure you'll, you hear that a lot, right, mm-hmm. as moving away from order takers to more business consultancy, but also sure. with our business partners having skin in the game and accountability and ownership around the outcomes that we're trying to drive mm-hmm. for the organization. So um, again, we're, it varies by function as far as maturity, and we're, yeah. we're definitely continuing on that journey. And a lot of the ways that we're trying to enable that is through that organizational design and addressing some of the capability and competency gaps that we have today mm-hmm. so that we can ac- accelerate um, some of those digital projects in different areas of the business. Okay, good. And we have actually our first question from our very alert and, and watching audience. We thank you for this. And it's a good question that plays right into what we're talking about. How do you prioritize your digital initiatives? Do you use any particular tool like a prioritization matrix or so forth to rank the initiatives and decide which ones to focus on first? That sounds like a governance question to me. And I know we we love governance. Yeah. (laughs) That's a fantastic question. No, there is no tool today. Um, Doesn't exist. Well, it might exist, but again, Mm -hmm. we're... We're in the very early um, stages of maturity when it comes mm-hmm. to a repeatable process and governance around how we do how we make those decisions. Today, it's a very small committee that evaluates the overall portfolio based on you know the business case that we've in that we were intaking. What is the connection to the overall strategic objectives that that is driving? Mm-hmm. Um, what what priority do we put on those objectives themselves? And then, of course, there's other elements related to, excuse me, the investment, the resource um, needs, the business readiness. So it's a, there's a lot of criteria we kind of run through to figure out how we can best slot uh, and prioritize. But I would say number one, it, the, num- the number one thing that's driving it is our is the connection and how it will drive the strategy. Okay, and by the connection, you mean like the customer experience connection. You got it. Yeah, okay. it's enabling. It's enabling a, a, a pillar of our strategy. Okay, excellent. Let me see. And we have another question pending. Um, oh, this is so perfect because we are going to talk about this too. What is the strategy for using AI generative uh, a, Gen AI in supply chain? So this, Ooh, this, I know. Well, this pivots us into that whole Gen AI discussion, which. Honestly, every CIO I talk to for months now has been kicking the tires on something. So let's talk about Gen AI at Carhartt and how you're approaching it and what you're looking for, especially from your supplier vendor partners in terms of how they get involved with the strategy. Yeah, absolutely. So um, we, we're not using anything related to Gen AI or large language models at scale in a productive environment right. yet. Very, very um, few are really. Yeah. Right, right. But of course, we do have other elements of AI that we're using. We have obviously robotics heavily in our distribution center. We mm-hmm. have, uh, we're using predictive modeling, for example, in inventory optimization and personalization. We're using natural language processing 
processing for um, consumer sentiment and those mm -hmm. types of things. On the on the AI, Gen AI large language model, our approach is um, currently, again, because we're still trying to navigate the governance and data protection and, and different things like that, is we're providing mm -hmm. safe environments for people to um, experiment. So, for example, Microsoft has Bing for Enterprise that will allow you to access that data, but not, you know, uh, have that data ingested back. So there are, there are different tactics that we're trying to provide, if you will, sandboxes or playgrounds right. where sure. they can, they can uh, experiment with the technology, but we're still protecting that data. So yeah. we're, we're in the midst of that. We're also, uh, to your point around partnerships, we do see that Microsoft will be probably our primary partner related because a lot of the work that we're doing has to do with um, our internal data. So a lot of our data um, products in that space are Microsoft products, and they have about 16 different co-pilots right now uh, that they have in, in general availability. Wow. So we're starting to mm -hmm. evaluate that around, um, they have a lot of productivity tools, um, and different things that you can take out of the box to run, for example, large language models against your data mm -hmm. versus yeah. you know the, the the wide world of internet. Mm -hmm. um, so again, we're still in the very early stages, uh, and a lot of it has a lot of the energy is around the education, you mm -hmm. know, policy development. Uh, security and really connecting it to what the business value is. You know, what are the possible use cases uh, that can be relevant and that we could quickly um, productionalize. So mm -hmm. our intent is to create a pipeline. We are, we're actually going to do a hackathon um, in the second half of our fiscal year to really start to experience uh, or experiment alongside of our business partners. Cause that's, that's the other piece of just, there's some skepticism. There might be some, you know, <laughs> Resistance, but then there's other folks that are just like, I'm going full bore. It's writing yeah. speeches for me. It's, <laughs> it's right. doing product content. So, um, you know, we're trying to create some guardrails, but we don't definitely don't want to inhibit any type of type of innovation or optimization that can be done in a safe way. Yeah. Well, because we talked about that, that it's now so old school to have any problem with, we used to call it rogue IT or shadow yes. IT. And this is now the era of encouraging the shadow and encouraging the rogue and then partnering with the parts yes. of the business that want to play around with these things. Um, is this, I'm making the assumption that the, the business elements that would be most interested in Gen AI are usually in marketing and communications end of the company. Am I wrong about that? Is it different at Carhartt? No, I, you're right about that, but there still is just general intrigue and <laughs> uh, wondering what it could what it could do for them from mm -hmm. an optimization perspective. Right. Also, I think again it goes back to the education of there's AI and Gen AI is a you know is under that umbrella yeah. as a large language model, so people don't understand don't necessarily always understand and, and they don't necessarily have to is, you know, there are other elements of artificial intelligence, whether it's robotics or, mm -hmm. you know, predictive modeling, those types of things. So again, just making sure that people understand the different types of technology, what are the pros and cons of those and mm -hmm. what are the best applications based on the problem that they're trying to answer or the yeah. business case they're yeah. trying to enable. What is the approach you're taking to uh, kind of 
both answer those questions from the business, but also get a little bit ahead of it. And by doing more of, you don't want to just outright call it educating the business because that yes. sounds like, you know, that, that usually gets, that usually gets people's backs up. They're like, Oh, you're going to educate yeah. me. No. Um, but in terms of making sure that you're bringing up as many topics as they're asking questions, is, is that what you'll do at this upcoming hackathon? Or do you have other ways that you approach that? So we are, we had started early on socializing with senior leadership about mm -hmm. what our approach was, right? Because we, you know, the second it got flooded into kind of industry uh, articles or different things, we knew we, that to your point, we better get ahead of this. Otherwise it's, it's going to get legs pretty quickly. So we started with senior leadership team. We are going to continue to do road shows. Uh, we're going to build it into some of our education related to like security and compliance data privacy strategies for, mm -hmm. for that element. Um, but as far as bringing them along in the journey, we're going to use, we have a lot of projects that are already in the portfolio that could have use cases that gotcha. have an element of AI to it. So we'll do that naturally and organically there. Um, and then absolutely to your point on the hackathon, our, our all of our hackathons or innovation um, days include our business partners, right? right? Because we want them to be part of that process and understand how how these things come to life mm -hmm. and some of those technologies so to your point you know those those things are converging um and every given the scale of digital it's very difficult to to just try to control right. <laughs> every element uh, yeah. it's, it's more about how can we protect and and provide the most information so that they make the right decisions yeah well and i would imagine in the next half a decade probably uh, the word digital will just come to mean technology it's like we, you know do, in fact do you refer to is it still called it at carhartt or do you it, have you given it a fancier name <laughs> it is still it however uh we're starting to to um provide some words around what does it mean so okay. you know we're, we're actively building um our maturity up in the technology space mm -hmm. so um we've defined that in in more digital terms good so it is it's starting to take that shape yeah. just through those yeah, through those uh, efforts. Well, I remember, and this would be a couple of years ago, I was talking with the CIO, and we were talking about talent retention, like your best yes. people. And this particular CIO told me that he had found that with two or three key people, he just had to change their titles and include the word digital. And the minute he did that, they were like, all right, they're happier with what they're yeah. doing. They, they felt like their own marketability probably was really up. Sure. But I thought that's, have you, and you had mentioned an org redesign essentially with, uh, that is going on now. Is that just happening in the technology organization? What can you tell us about that? Sure, so we had, um, you know, probably a couple years back, we we had a, an, an organizational and enterprise level effort called Fit for the New Frontier. And it was just an opportunity for mm -hmm. us to kind of reset um, and evaluate just the talent across the board. So that's been mm -hmm. going on for quite some time. But IT specifically, um, as a support function, we were uh, one of the last ones to kind of go through an individual function, mm -hmm. organizational redesign. So that started probably about six, six weeks ago. Oh, wow. And mm -hmm. it's really to um, align on a lot of the things we talked about as far as our marching orders is to, to best enable, you know, some of these different emerging skill sets, uh, better optimize the, the overall um, 
IT function. And then of course, really bring home the best way to drive business partnerships. So how we're organized against, you know, the lines of business um, and what that partnership looks like to drive the most value for the organization. So Interesting. Um, mm-hmm. we did, yeah, we did a great job of kind of going out and hearing the voice of our business, consumer, customer, and now we're, we're answering those um, opportunities through the organizational design. Okay, that's great. We do have another question, which actually harks back to the what we were talking about, your ERP implementation. And it, this is really, I think it's more backward looking for you. What would be the first step to consider in a global ERP implementation? And I think you've been there, done that already, right? <laughs> I have. Do you remember what the first step was? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Uh, honestly, um, I would say just evaluating the readiness um, of the organization, the organization. and making mm-hmm. sure that you are. You might have to break the work down. So depending on you know what your line of business is, how you're mm-hmm. organized, what the complexity is, what the regionality is. Um, you know, the first thing we did was, okay, are we going to break down the work? And we did, we ended up doing wholesale, we did retail wholesale, then our European um, group. And again, just assessing that business readiness. uh, Do we, can we dedicate the resources to do it in the right way? Okay, good. And then uh, another question pending from our audience. um, And this one is, could you provide one specific example of a Gen AI app that has yielded an ROI? And I know, I know, I asked that thinking that most, you know, most everybody I know would say not yet, but maybe yeah. there's something I didn't ask you about. You, you got anything? No, not not yet. Like I, I, I have heard people use it as an accelerator, right? Mm-hmm. So instead of starting with a blank sheet of paper, it just helps accelerate the work, um, whether it's, you know, product detail descriptions or, you know, I'm creating a speech for the sales meeting and here are the points I want to get across. Yeah. Um, so those are the types of, of ad hoc things, but not not at scale, not yeah. not to have a hindsight of really the value that it added at this yeah. point. Yeah, there's nothing that would get your CFO's heart going pitter-pat. You know, nice. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Now, we have another question, too, and this is because you'd mentioned Microsoft co-piloting, doing those co-pilots. Yeah. In which business processes will the Microsoft co-pilots be used first or most likely? And yeah, if, if you if you can answer that, it is a good question. Yeah, I think we're going to start honestly with the productivity space because okay. we can contain it to our internal business processes, mm-hmm. um, just so that we can try it out, uh, and then you know we we would continue to expand our foray, and you know. It might not end up being always Microsoft. We're going to partner mm-hmm. with them to learn for, from the for for our own internal development. But what we can see already, and we're hearing it from SAP with its partnership with IBM. You just mm-hmm. you know you see Salesforce. They're spinning up um, you know their Einstein AI with partnerships uh, and and various things. So I think yeah. Adobe, all of these all of these large scale leaders in the technology space are going to start building into their platform now. Whether they decide to monetize that as a separate thing 
that's TBD. But I think <laughs> just by na- by its nature, some of those will come into the other business lines of business through the platforms that we already have uh, deployed in those spaces. Okay, great. Now, and of course, I'm going to try to get in a few of my own questions now. The audience has been doing an absolutely great job, and we really encourage more of that to come. But we've been talking a lot about what IT is doing, and I never, I never got to fit in that question about the size and scope of your IT department from it sounds like the kind of things you're taking on you've got thousands of people working in IT but you do not (laughs) (laughs) no (laughs) so we have about 215 uh, people Mm -hmm. uh, in our IT organization the different pillars if you will and how we're organized we have a team that leads our business applications so that's really product line delivery support and maintenance yes we have a team that that focuses on data and analytics. So that includes master data, business intelligence, uh, those types of things. And then we have a technology team uh, that is really focused on uh, infrastructure, service desk, um, digital workspace. So all of the hardware, those types of things. Mm -hmm. uh, And also our security and compliance. Okay. So um, Mm -hmm. it's probably three primary right now. Again, subject to change in our current org design. And then we do have a team um, in in Carretero, Mexico. It's our shared service center Mm -hmm. that allows us to extend our global team um, through additional uh, headcount in that that space. So we have about 60 folks of that 215 that are um, sitting in that uh, facility. Mm-hmm. And we also have remote folks that support our individual facilities, whether it's our manufacturing, our distribution, um, our European subsidiaries. So uh, definitely a mix of, um, you know, regionality and, uh, and, and different roles. Yeah. We also, from a, from a partner perspective, mm-hmm. we, have, we do have a few folks that, are, uh, that we're partnered with to do different types of operations, um, but we're really trying to insert source uh, a lot of the, those functions back in um, just for, you know, to, to continue to cross train. Uh, we're moving more towards platform engineering, ops, yes. you know, having uh, DevOps, those types of things. So we're trying to bring some of that where we weren't ready to take on the full, um, you know, experience and, and upskilling. Now we were starting to have some bandwidth to do that. Good. Uh, and then we'll, we'll staff hog periodically ad hoc for, you know, uh, projects specific. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, really trying to you know, give those opportunities to our internal resources. That's great. I always love to hear that some, insor- some or even substantial insourcing is going on because you're building up and it does so much more than just build up tech capabilities inside the company. Absolutely. It gives more career paths forward in the IT organization, yeah. which I'm sure that's not lost on you. Um, are is it i know that the the company tends to attract you're in a lot of it is in michigan and of course you've got a place in mexico but are there um are there talent areas where you have a lot of trouble recruiting or you know that often i hear data engineering but i like to ask that what are you most looking for right now So we, uh, you know, given the change in market a year ago, I would have said, you know, hey, same thing, data, security, Mm -hmm. uh, 
you know, these types of roles, even to, to some degree, we were having trouble getting SAP um, functional folks. Mm-hmm. So we were we were struggling in certain areas. Now the market is is different today, and and, and seems to be a little bit more. Uh, open. Plus, we, I'm sure like many during the pandemic, we opened up the marketplace to, to be to most of our positions. Are mm-hmm. Exactly. So it has created obviously a much broader pool um, than we had experienced before. So mm-hmm. I would say it's it's less about, um, you know, getting the talent in and more about retaining the talent we have and reskilling and upskilling based on you know, some of these modern technologies that we've taken on. Yeah. Well, and I have a feel. I think we're seeing it now, and I think there'll be even more of it in the future, where we talk a lot about how you get people into the office and yes. how how much of a benefit that is. Um, how, how do you approach that right now? You're a CIO in this modern age where a whole lot of the staff, especially in the last few years, may have come on, very likely came on as remote. And that actually changes kind of the warp and, and woof of your 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 um your CIO leadership style and all that. So tell us about, you know, where you spend your time and effort and how much that balance between remote and in office, how you're managing all of that. Yeah, it's it's definitely been a challenge because I'm highly extroverted and I am a walk around type of a leader. Mm-hmm. So I got a ton of energy and hopefully built meaningful connections with my team yeah. when we were in the office just due to the walk around. Sure. Right. Yeah. Um, so making that shift uh, has has been a challenge. And I think quite honestly, we're still figuring it out. But what I what I have shifted is um, just more time, right? So more time with listening and communication to the team. So mm-hmm. uh, where I would have had the luxury of seeing folks in the office, I'm creating roundtables. I'm doing um, small group connections. I'm doing skip level meetings. I'm mm-hmm. trying to create moments where we have an opportunity to have a dialogue, either one-on-one or in small groups. Uh, and then we're really trying to be purpose purposeful because we have um, multiple remote locations mm-hmm. is to find maybe every other month going to those locations and bringing everyone together. Right. Um, and, you know, whether that's events where we, we do things together, innovations, collaboration, um, you know, I, we've heard loud and clear that people just don't want to come to the office and sit on Teams meetings. Yeah. Um, <laughs> that, you know, yeah. I have a purpose that we're going to come in and, and build those meaningful connections and innovate and collaborate. Um, so there's definitely value to that. I just think about new new entrance uh, into the workforce and how how yes. that how strange that must mm-hmm. be, right? And uh, how much I learn just from the, the relationships and shadowing and different things. Yeah. So uh, we're trying to to recreate those environments, especially for our new entrants and, yeah. and uh, folks that are. I've, I've heard that same sort of concern from a number of CIOs. I remember talking with the CIO at Gulfstream Aerospace, and she was saying that, you know, she often tries to counsel younger members on the team to try and spend more time in the office, especially if they're ambitious and looking to kind of move up the ladder into other IT management or director type positions. It's one thing if you're a heads down techie, but even then, you, you know, I 
I think even the most introverted, this now this is an extrovert who is yeah. to another extrovert interpreting what introverts want. So I got to assume yeah. I'm going to be about 90% wrong here. But I feel like I feel like that that energy exchange that happens when everybody's in the same room and around a table and that sort of thing is different now. And I, I think we're going to have to head back to at least some of it uh, in the I future. Agree. But it, it's kind of hard. Well, you would agree. You're another extrovert. But <laughs> yeah. I find myself, you know, it, it started as, you know, one week a month and now I'm in a couple days every week. Yep. And mm-hmm. so, you know, I'm just finding that I'm I'm gravitating towards that, and and, it, and you know it. It mm-hmm. depends on the role, right? If you're if you're a dev and you're sitting, you know, cranking out code, it's different than if you're a business analyst and you're working with, yep. you know, your product line, product owners, and things like that. So it's a little bit role specific as well. But I'm with you. I think um, we we have to find the balance. Yes, exactly. And I don't think we have it yet. And I think it'll be. No. I think there'll be a lot of conversations about it in the next couple of years especially. And I think it's especially valuable for younger workers that have never had that in-office experience. They may have read so many bad things about it, you know, about office politics and all that. But if you don't learn to deal with that at some point, you really, you just kind of, you sort of stay in place in your career. And and hardly anybody wants to do that, right? Um, right. (laughs) I want to pivot over entirely and talk about some technology stuff that we had discussed. that I, because this surprised me that you have a lot of efforts that are building up in RFID. And I yes. thought RFID, I thought in supply chain and retail and tagging and all that stuff, I thought that was old hat. And it turns yeah. out not so much. So tell us about what Carhartt is doing in RFID and why, why it's important now. Right. So I would say the technology of RFID, to your point, has been around a long time. And I think Mm -hmm. depending on your industry and, you know, your external parties, you may or may not have, uh, you know, been mandated to bring that technology into the space. So we had we had just kind of um, we hadn't had many folks asking for compliance, but. The good news is, and what we're doing to to kind of tie this to emerging technology is taking this opportunity and time to create digital twins mm-hmm. of our products, individual products. Mm-hmm. Uh, so not only not only just saying, okay, well, we're going to go ahead and be compliant for RFID because our our wholesale retailer is asking us to. We're taking this opportunity to take several use cases and business strategies. Um, and and be able to to enable them. So, for example, you know we have 3D images and assets of all of our products. We uh, we are working towards having serialization of every individual product so that we can create almost like an event management, so you can trace the the mm-hmm. product from. Uh, all the way from the field to, uh, you know, the the end consumer. Yeah. So there's, and then of course, we're, there's just a lot of regulation, as you can imagine, and, mm-hmm. and customs compliance that helps that, that traceability helps. So um, what we're really trying to do is take, you know, the opportunity to finally get something that has been in the market for a long time, but play it forward and be a little bit more innovative uh-huh. related to, yeah, creating those digital twins and solving more additional business uh, opportunities alongside of that project. Yeah. Well, and what I love about this this story uh, around RFID is that you probably could have done a minimal amount of things that would have, you yes. know, would have satisfied the business, 
but you essentially came back to them and said, let's think bigger and longer term, let's consider compliance issues, that sort of thing. So good for you. Apparently that, apparently that was very well received, right? Um, And while we're talking about well technology and all the changes, you have a particularly I don't want to call it a project because it's probably more of an initiative, establishing a transformation office. And yes. I've heard I've heard the big T word, the Tyrannus Rex word about transformation <laughs> used with a lot of things, usually the word digital is in front of it or that sort of thing. But you're going to actually create a transformation office. Like an, is that like an office of the CIO? What are you thinking around that? And uh, what is that? And what will it be? And I know you're in the early stages of this. Of this so yeah. I'm going to go ahead and put you right out on a, on a limb on this. Right and tell us what you're, spot. yeah, tell us what you're thinking and, and why you need this and it's not just an IT this is something you have taken on but this is for the company as a whole if I understand that correctly that is correct Mm -hmm. and to your point uh, you know I'll use my disclaimer subject to change uh, (laughs) but the intent of course was um, you know to be able to create at an enterprise level our ability to really prioritize the right work, to enable the strategy, to um, manage change across the organization, to you know drive outputs and outcome or excuse me outcomes for the business, mm-hmm. um, and and really get process and rigor around it. Um, you know we've had several iterations over the years where we might have created business cases but not hindsighted, or we've right so we've kind of been half in and out. So this really gives us mm. um, the opportunity at this point to be able to say, okay, let's get a process in place with governance around it and and make it a a repeatable process also to provide communication and transparency to the business as to what we're investing in, how we're making those decisions, um, and really be able to to elevate the the program as a whole Mm -hmm. um, to, to make sure we're delivering at, yeah. at the end of the day. So, you know, I, I have, again, the privilege of, because we've had so many large scale digital projects and we're, yes. we're able to show our capabilities and the, the our ability to connect the dots mm-hmm. and kind of see ahead, if you will, related to anticipating the next need. Mm-hmm. Um, I've been given the opportunity to, to set this up at the enterprise level um, and uh, give it a go. Yes, I know. Well, and the, the the discussions around this were originally with the VP of strategy who owned all of this corporate initiatives, enterprise PMO, whatever you want to call it. And that individual has now moved on from the company. And correct, you're the new VP of strategy in, in, in you know, stepping yeah. into the, that role, essentially. Um, was, yeah. was that something, did you step up for it and say, give this to me, I think I can get this done? Or was this your chief operating officer who said, I know who can take this on. Yeah. So just a point of clarification. So we had a VP of strategy that also did, you know, corporate initiatives or enterprise PMO. So she didn't ask me to take on, you know, the, the transformation piece. So the VP of strategy is still, is still kind of a a question mark, but 100% of, of, you know, the, 
the components that need to be there are the portfolio management, obviously, yeah. the change management component, organizational mm-hmm. change management, which is um, going to be led by our HR team. Great. And then, of course, the strategy. So mm-hmm. it would be there is a three pronged approach. Um, and of course, you know, I'm I am going to uh, be working with those partners to yes. to make sure that we have the right portfolio for the organization. Excellent. Well, I love the sound of that. I remember uh, some years ago, one of the CIOs uh, here in the Boston area um, had his next step after CIO was chief strategy officer. And yes. so that's that's not a bad path forward for CIOs. Not that you don't have enough to do now in your first year and yeah, a half right. in the job, right? Yeah. Um, let me see. I wanted to, there was, um, what was the other thing? Oh, I wanted to ask you about at the um, changing priorities with the C-suite and the board. Um, are there anything we haven't really touched on yet that is very important to Carhartt in business transformation, other strategic issues? And I'm thinking along like the uh, environmental, societal, the ESG mm-hmm. area, uh, diversity and inclusion efforts, uh, sustainability. What's what's happening in that area? <laughs> you know, yes. Give us yeah, give us the so- whole novel worth of efforts and just a few great <laughs> comments here. And and how does how do you as the CIO play into those? Yeah, so uh, we have definitely, uh, in our foundational element of strategy, started to put more focus and energy around exactly what you said, diversity, Mm -hmm. equity, and inclusion, uh, our sustainability and circularity, and finally, uh, community, Mm -hmm. and making sure that we're showing up in communities. So how IT engages in that in various ways, of course. So uh, on the circularity and sustainability side, for example, we've had energy management solutions that help us benchmark um, you know, our overall usage there. Um, we're looking at different ways to provide different materials which cause, you know, and traceability. So, you know, there's an element there of um, just making sure that we can tell the story on the diversity, equity, and inclusion, it's really about the people data, right? So being able to um, help report and analyze the mm-hmm. trends within our workforce to see if we're working towards the goals uh, overall that we're setting there. And then on the community side, we're just taking a, we're just being a part of it, right? Yeah, <laughs> so yeah. volunteering and uh, having the opportunities to be closer to community. There haven't been any ITS there yet, but Mm-hmm. That that's subject to change, as you know. There's always a digital element. To everything I know, we do. I know. There really, there really is. And when it's not a digital element, it's at least a technology element. So, um, but the I notice I see a lot of those posts uh, on LinkedIn. I've on, on your feed because I follow you on LinkedIn, of course. And I, there's just numerous of them. Um, yeah, that all that sort of thing is is turning up. And I also notice I think we talked about half of the senior executive. Team team at Carhartt just happens to be women. Your COO, your CFO, the CIO, the head of HR. Um, yeah. It's, it's, it's yeah. nice. It's it's one thing to talk about doing a good job of diversity and inclusion. It's another one to be able to show it too. Yes. So do you, yeah. and you must, when you're talking to new candidates that are coming into IT, especially in the younger generation, they're probably looking, you know, pretty sharply at that. Yes. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And, mm-hmm. and we get a lot of 
feedback from our associates that they want to see themselves in leadership and, mm-hmm. um, you know, make sure that it is representative of how we show up as a brand. So yeah. it's very important. Yes. Okay. Final wrap-up question for us here. I'm I'm almost relieved to see that our audience questions have have stopped coming in. We've had a really really great response from the audience. But I have a question about your own leadership style and how yes. it has changed. What you have learned in the last two years as you've moved up from you know this long wonderful long history with the company and then uh, essentially getting singled out as you were part of the succession plan of the. Pre- previous CIO, and here you are now in the job. So what have you learned about or maybe had to change about your leadership style as you became the CIO? Yes. So it's mm-hmm. definitely different. Uh, you know, I had, had gone from directing the work to uh being more of an enabler for the team, right? So I spend most of my time listening, not talking. (laughs) Uh, You know, I try to clear blockers and really Mm -hmm. provide cover for my team. Uh, I spend a lot of time, quote unquote, marketing for Mm -hmm. IT, right? And making sure that we are are celebrating and telling the stories of all the value that we're driving for the organization. And um, one thing that I don't love that came with the title is um, just the uh the request and not you mary fran of course but just everyone wants to you know for us to grow our brand and be you know mm-hmm. be the katrina there as a cio yeah. i i'm not a big showy person um and i'm not a huge fan of me on camera um so that's one thing i've learned that i don't like uh-huh. <laughs> well i i hope i, I do it's enough a necessary evil. <laughs> well, and I hope when you go back and watch some of this today, you will say to yourself, you know, it's time I got over that. I actually yeah. <laughs> I actually do just great on camera, you know. In in well, thank you. No, no, really. And and it's something a lot of um, editorial people in my field in publishing are much more behind the scenes. And then sometimes some of us discovered that we liked having a microphone in our hand as much as asking all the questions. And I think that that really that's something that you might want to just leave at the train station. I think you do a very, yeah. good, very good job of that. And it's been great having you here today to do this. So thank you. Thank you for coming yes, on, for sharing pleasure. so much about the brand and about what you're doing. Uh, I'm sure that anyone who has been uh, following us on LinkedIn and on YouTube, if they haven't already linked in to you so they can follow you all, follow you on LinkedIn, they absolutely should. Oh, the last thing we I forgot to ask you about the women's line you're developing because oh, yeah. I'm a big time gardener and I've been wanting specific gardening clothes that I want Carhartt to make now. But uh, you do have... Uh, other than my needs, you have uh, strategies going on that ha- you have been very involved in as well from from the technology Absolutely. standpoint. So what do we want to say about that in pa- as we wrap up? Yes, thanks for bringing that up, Mary Fran. It completely escaped me. So me too. we have gotten renewed, renewed focus and energy around our women's line. We've had several times over the 100 and you know, 35 years of Carhartt, Mm -hmm. uh, where we've tried to introduce women's lines that really just were um, extensions of a lot of the men's product, but we've gotten very focused, Mm -hmm. um, built strategies and staffing around 
spinning up a woman's line that is much more catered to the needs of our uh, our women consumers. Mm-hmm. So you'll see different fits, different fabrics, uh, different functions. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's super exciting. And I've already put a plug in Mary Fran for you on the gardeners gardening yes. side. Okay. Uh, but we're super excited. And hopefully everyone will get an opportunity to take a look at our new women's line. I encourage you to check it out on carhart.com. That's great. That's great. And I'm sure we all will. Thank you so much, Katrina. This has really been fun today. And didn't I tell you the hour would fly by? Okay. Just like that. I know. I go. Here we are. All done. Well, thanks again. It was great having you here. Now, Thank you so much, my And if you joined us late today, uh, do not despair. You can watch the full episode and my entire interview with Katrina Augusti of Carhartt here on LinkedIn and also on CIO.com later in the day and on CIO's YouTube channel. Uh, CIO Leadership Live is available also as an audio podcast wherever you find your podcasts. And I feel reasonably confident that you enjoyed the conversation as much as I did today with CIO Katrina Augusti of Carhartt. We'll be back again in two weeks with another show on Wednesday, September 27th at, at noon Eastern as well, when I will have CIO Shannon Gath of Teledyne here. And I hope you'll tune in for that show as well. Thank you so much for joining us today, and thanks especially to all of our alert audience members who sent in such great questions. Do take a moment to subscribe to our channel on YouTube, CIO on YouTube, uh, because you can actually find all of the 100 plus episodes of CIO Leadership Live on there. I've been encouraging people to binge their way through all the Leadership Live uh, interviews, but I don't know if anyone has done that and lived to tell the tale. Think of all those, more than 100 hours of CIOs talking about uh, strategy, leadership, and innovation. Anyway, take care out there, and thanks for joining us, and we'll see you again here next time.